Hello, I'm Eagle, Eagle Gardens, Eagle Gardens 1 on Instagram, and this is Fucking Talking Shit with Eagle, episode 327. Hopefully you guys have had an amazing Friday. I know I have. I have one amazing guest for you tonight, one legendary hash maker, Mr. Nicotine. How you doing tonight? Uh, first of all, tell us where we can find you and tell us how you're doing tonight, good sir. Yeah, man, I'm blessed. Thanks for having me. I, uh, I just flew in. It's really hard to find me. I can barely find myself, but I just flew in from California back to Colorado a couple hours ago. Um, online, though, you can find me at T on Instagram, N-I-K-K-A underscore underscore T on Instagram because I keep booting me. Um, lately, I've been on Twitch quite a bit. On Sundays, I play a little DJ set, a live DJ set on Twitch. So you can find me at www.twitch.tv slash N-I-K-K-A underscore T, just one underscore on Twitch. Um, you can check out my websites www.essentialextracts.ca.co is also another website. Um, we just are about to launch essentialextracts-cbd.com for my hemp line. And uh, yeah, man, I'm just blessed to stay busy right now, bro. Oh, did I lose? I think I lost uh, sound. No, that's that's me. That was me. I'm sorry. I was muted. <laughs> no worries. So, uh, yeah, this this show is usually a chance to get to know some of these uh, great people that we see around the cannabis community. So usually we kind of start off right from the get and get to know them a little bit. So uh, basically, just because you're a hash legend, this doesn't change the the mo any. So usually the first question on this is. When did cannabis uh, enter your life? When was the first time that uh, you smoked this plant or was around the plant for the very first time? Yeah, um, the first time I smoked was when I was like 12 or 13 years old. And I was with a German foreign exchange student. And uh, we were out on this like lake on a camping trip, on a family camping trip. And he pulls a pack of cigarettes out that he had like smuggled with him from Germany. And in Germany, they start smoking a lot younger. And he pulls out a cigarette, and he lights it, and he passes me one, or passes me that same cigarette. And I hit the cigarette once, and I hated it. And I, I like it was, like, gross, and I threw it into the lake. And he got really upset with me. He's like, oh, I only brought a few of those from Germany. Like, why would you throw it? And I was like, man, that was horrible. And he pulls out something else from the cigarette pack, and it was a, a spliff, tobacco and cannabis. He's like, try this one. Just don't throw it in the fucking lake. And I tried it, and I was like, oh, this one's way better. And that was the first time I smoked weed. Yeah. And it happened to be a spliff. And I feel like that's part of the reason I'm addicted to spliffs, blending European style. So Germany? Germany was the first time? Or was uh No, it was in the United here? States. Yeah, he was over here. Okay, okay. So was it, uh, did it take off after that? Was it pretty much a staple? Was it one of them things where you just kind of knew, yeah, this is what I'm going to be doing? Pretty much. I mean, I don't think I've stopped since then, for real. Like, I've been super blessed <laughs> to, to smoke pretty much consistently since I was 13 years old. And I'm saying blessed. I like, I don't think it's a bad thing. My son's about that age right now and in no 
way do I put it on him? You know, he's grown up with it around him, but he makes his own choices and he doesn't like cannabis and I, I don't smoke it around him. I don't want to like, I don't want to put that on him if he's not into it. So, um, I don't smoke it around him. I go outside, I go in my garage, but, um, yeah, my son's around the same age that I started smoking and he's not into it. And I'm kind of happy about that. Um, but at the same time, I'm really blessed to have fucking smoked all these years. I think it's great for some people and not everyone needs it, you know? I dig that hands on your hand, by the head, by the way. <laughs> What's that? Oh, the hands. I, said I dig the hands on your hat. Oh, yeah, yeah, the Hamsa. Yeah, yeah. Pretty cool, pretty cool. So, uh, where did you go from there? I mean, did you, when did you, have you started, when did you start growing? Have you grown? I know you're a hash artist, but uh, yeah. have you grown? So, you know, from a young age, I grew up in the garden center. My parents ran the Tandem Family Nursery. Like my folks, my family, my grandpa, my aunts, my uncles, like everyone in my family was uh, running nurseries, nursery businesses when I was growing up as a kid. So I grew up watering the roses. I grew up learning about plants. I grew up trimming plants. Um, I remember like, I don't know, when I was a, a teenager, I think I popped a few seeds in the backyard with my pops. Um, that was like, you know, a long, long time ago. We were just playing around. Um, I started like really growing with my like partner back in the day and like roommate and homie that I've known for fucking 20 years. He's now an amazing breeder. He's still one of my best friends, uh, Greg Genome Alchemy. Uh, we grew a couple of grows in our basement probably, fuck, 15 years ago, longer, maybe 15, 20 years ago or something like that. Um, and I, I also helped with some basement grows in Boulder, Colorado, like 20, 21 years ago. Um, but it wasn't until about eight years ago that I built my first grow that I solely ran. Um, you know, so I'm still a complete novice. I would not say in any way that I'm a master grower by any means. I'm learning something every single day in hash making and growing and cultivation, um, but um, I play around a little bit in the garden. Uh, I had like a full build out, you know, in a couple houses and shit, you know, over the years. And uh, these days I'm just on the road so much that I just have a little tent and I'll put six plants in it when I know I'm going to be here for longer than two weeks at a time. <laughs> That's kind of where I'm at with growing right now. So what are some of the strains you've been uh, that you've grown out over the years? Oh man, for years and years, for like, you know, eight years in a row, all I grew was OGs. I had like a nice stable of like 13, 15 different OG, clone only OG cuts from SFV to Ghost to Skywalker, 91 OG, um, fuck, you name it, Triangle OG, Triangle Kush. We pretty much had most all of them, the Hells OG, all those planetary OGs from Johnny at OG Genetics. He was sorting me out with clone only OGs for the last 12 years now actually um and originally we were growing a lot of them at my commercial cultivation pink house um and, but at the same time i started really you know diving into the cultivation myself and um ogs have always been one of my favorite things to grow they're finicky they're hard to grow they're not the biggest yielders but it's what i want to smoke lately i've been really liking gelatos and gelato crosses to grow and to smoke for flowers 
Um, and then for concentrates, I've got a few bangers that I really rock out, you know, that I like to cultivate for specifically solventless and rosin. Um, and those are like Chem D OG, uh, which is a uh, strain from top dog seeds. That's just a big dumper. It doesn't have a very strong chem nose to it. it doesn't have a very gassy nose at all. It's kind of sugary. Um, it's just a huge dumper for us. Um, I really like key lime pie <laughs> for flour and for hash. It's one of those ones that's like a, it's an underdog. Nobody really talks about it too much, but the key lime pie, which is actually a F1 of a cookie fino or something. Um, key lime pie is a, it's a washer and it's amazing in flour. So that's like the underdog that I like to chat about. You know, it, it isn't always either or. So it's nice that you have one that's both. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So what are some of the things that you're looking for in a flower or in a strain for a hash um, producer? For hash producer, I look for trichome density. I like look for trichome structure and tactile feel. Really, those are the three main things that I look for. I also so, want to uh, know, you know, when those plants are finishing, you know, if it's a strain that like makes amazing trichomes, but it's not done until 85 days, it's probably not a good hasher viability wise. You know, you're, we have these strains that are yielding fucking over seven, 8% taken at 40 days. You know, those are the ones that I'd like to call hashers or washers. The ones that really people are looking for right now. Well, what makes the difference in the time? Um, trichome development you know maturation so if you have a cultivar that has trichomes that mature and create a bulbous head that has a real thin waxy cuticle early on you know you can just flip your garden that much faster it might not look finished as far as smokable flower goes but it's finished as far as the trichomes go for the hash So when was the first time that uh, you decided to uh, make your first hash? When was your first hash wash? Oh, man. I think I washed up in the hills of NorCal on my uncle's farm. Um, shit, back in like, I guess, like the late 90s. There's, there's a, uh, yeah, yeah, late 90s. I'd say um, I remember in like the early 2000s uh, when we were in Boulder, Colorado, I was definitely washing in my basement with friends that I still hang out with daily here in Colorado. My buddy Darwin uh, came over a couple weeks ago, actually, to come help wash a few things over at the R&D lab with me. And it's pretty cool because we've been making hash together for 20 years, you know, and we're still homies and we are still doing our thing. He's got a few consulting gigs throughout the world and I'm doing my thing, but when we come together, it's a fun time, you know? So how long before, from that first wash, did you actually think, you know, hell, this is, this is something I need to be pursue. Well, <laughs> I mean, I think instantly, I instantly I pursued it because we were making really low grade bubble hash in those, in the late nineties. Um, fucking up in Mendo, up in Humboldt and taking it down to the bay. And I was doing all kinds of stupid shit to dry it. I was putting it in my shoe. I was like squishing the water out. You know, like we, we tried all these methods back in the day. 
um, because I, I was a hash smoker. That's really what made me want to continue making hash and, and learning this trade is because I liked hash. I wanted to smoke hash, you know, like as a kid, I would put it on top of bowls and on bong rips and shit like that. And even in my joints, for sure. Um, you know, it wasn't until later, later on that we got into knife hits and then, you know, eventually dabbing the, the progression, you know, but, um, I've always just been a hash head, man. I'm this spliff I'm smoking right now had a nice chunk of hash in it. Um, whenever I'm actually like really chilling on the couch and relaxing, I totally forgot about this, uh, this interview. So I'm like wearing the hoodie, the hash gym hoodie, big up six star society for sending me this hash gym hoodie. But yeah, you know, I'm like wearing an oversized hoodie right now, just relaxing um, and smoking a big hash spliff and drinking some tea because I've been on the road working, DJing. I DJed last night until four in the morning. You, you caught me, bro. Somehow you caught me, but it's good. I, I'm glad I, I'm glad I sent the message. I'm glad I caught you too. I'm glad I caught you too. Wow, that's a pretty full schedule between yeah, bro. You know, gardening I, you know, and- that's why I was like, oh shit, do I? I've got an interview today. Damn, I went hard last night, yo. Yeah, it's got to, it's got to be a good time. So, uh, what size venues do you DJ at? Well, this is all like virtual still for the most part. Um, things are starting to open up, but I've DJed everything. I DJed uh, sold out crowd at Red Rocks. It was one of my biggest shows that I performed at. Um, and it was actually the first time Red Rocks had sold out in like five, 10 years. I think, yeah, almost a decade. It was the first time Red Rocks had sold out for a reggae on the rock. Sorry, I should preface. Sells out all the fucking time before Corona. But for a reggae on the rocks, it was the first time it had sold out in a minute. And so I got to play for a fully overbooked crowd, um, which was nice. We uh, used to throw Extract Artist Harvest events, Harvest Fests um at cervantes i mean we started them at the oriental and then we moved up to one side of cervantes then we took over both sides of cervantes so that was a nice big show uh that i performed at hosted produced uh so i do a lot more than just djing i do a lot of hosting mc work uh production event production stage production (laughs) uh yeah Pretty busy guy, man. Like, can I can I flip guy. my screen? Before I get oh, too yeah, far you, I out, I want to ask uh, Kid little... and Rose here in chat would like to know uh, what's your stage. favorite gelato and oh man, oh man. I mean, I like all like if if you find like real, I don't know. I guess like gelato. If you're talking about the numbers, I like the floral aspect of the 33, but the structure I don't like. Um, I love the taste of a proper batch of 41 aka baccio aka yeah i don't know there's a lot of names for it but i like that fino um i really like all the runts and runts crosses um you know i like that floral anise candy gas um but i also like gas and like alone and then i like citrus gas like the lemon bean og eddie lap times lemon tree i'm working one uh working on finding some fucking keepers of this sweet lemon tea uh bred by shiloh massive the brethren over there we've been uh hunting for a washer in that one um you know sorry i could go on and on about cultivars that i like but uh right now i have this like the one i'm smoking the second is biscotti times jet fuel times acai gelato um and it's fucking it's pretty nuts I also am smoking on some of this like Skittles mints. 
This Skittles mints I really, really like right now. It's just fucking straight candy. Um, yeah, and then I have this fucking Gushers pie number three. That's one of my favorite things smoking in the world right now. And I can't even find it. I just came back. Literally, I just got back like an hour ago. <laughs> somewhere, somewhere there's a Gushers pie three hiding from me. So in your garden, I can't help but wonder. Ooh, let's see. What's what's the what's that smell like? What what's what's the nose like on that one? On the Gushers Pie Three, it's like yeah. I want to say it's kind of like grape cream gas. Grape cream gas, but like the flavor and how it smokes so. and. I don't know. There's just something really, really special about this tree. Yeah, big up Uncle Jesse's collective on this one. It's nice looking. That's a nice looking dog, dude. Yeah. Dance. Yeah, it's what I'm smoking. Pretty, pretty, pretty. I can't help but wonder. Uh, so, in your grow, are you in soil or? What's your I personally like soil. Yeah, I personally like soil. Um, I right now, one of my distro partners in California is uh, the Soil King, and I work with him on a on a lot of levels. We're also on the Gonjier board together, um, and uh, yeah, we almost talk daily. It seems so. He sponsors me with soil right now, so I use Soil King Big Roots right now. Um, but I've been switching, you know, I switch it up all the time. I've used uh, build a soil in the past. I love Jeremy and I love what their company does. You can really tailor your own soil, get it delivered out to wherever you're at. Uh, big up build a soil. But yeah, right now I'm using soil King big roots. I'm using Ambeso organic teas. It's basically just powdered nutrients that come in like Mason jars. He's grinding them all up himself. He's doing a lot of it, uh, you know, uh, in house and, uh, I'm running teas, and water in a little super soil blend from big roots out of you know the soil kings and uh yeah i uh i just recently started r and Ding a, a lot of new led lights um so this last round i'm running these hash cropters out of germany as well um and uh they're fully changeable i can control them from a hub i can set you know specific uh spectrums and intensities uh with these lights from my computer on the road i can turn them off on the road you know they're really cool fully controllable versatile lights you can even change the footprint of these lights you can extend them um yeah they're really fucking cool uh and then i also just recently got some more lights uh in the mail just a couple of days ago before i left town so probably plug in a couple new leds that are more static that i don't have to change and play with um, but i really like the new technology of leds i've been playing with leds since the purple spectrum first came out um and uh a lot has changed in the last decade of playing with leds i've been just blessed enough to you know i i'm lucky that i have a gift of gab so a lot of companies give me these you know r d lights and I talk about them, you know, I talk to people about, I'm honest about it all. I like, I talk to people about what I like, what I don't like, 
and uh, it's good promotion for the light companies. I get some free lights out of it. And, uh, sometimes the homies get some lights out of it as well. You know, anybody that hangs out around here knows I generally fucking kick down lights from time to time. If you just hang out long enough, you'll get somebody will knock on the door and there'll be a set of lights I can't use. That's pretty cool that you help out there, your, your friends and all that. Just fucking kick ass. Let's kick ass. You know, you've, in my eyes, you've had a pretty blessed journey. This plant's taken you all around the world. It must be nice. What was the first competition that uh, you decided to enter? Ooh. It must have been a high times. Oh, no, actually, sorry, sorry, sorry. First competition I ever entered was a cup in, in Colorado, and it was like a homegrower's cup, and we got second place for Apollo 99. It was like a Cindy, nine, Cindy 99 Apollo cross. I'm washed into bubble hash, you know, water hash back then. And we entered it. Um, I'm spacing who the collaborative effort was with, but, and even what cup it was. Um, But uh, that was probably back in 2009, 2010. Um, Yeah. I remember the hash. That's what I do remember. Um, and then from there we started entering high times cups. Um, there was even like little boulder cannabis cups and stuff like that, that we entered and did pretty, pretty well at, I think all of them in the beginning, we did pretty well. We created the non-solvent list, the non-solvent category at high times because we kept entering our product and it was competing, but they felt like it was not fair for it to compete against BHO back then. Uh, when we had full melt water hash and eventually they gave us our own category, the non-solvent category. And I actually helped write the non-solvent category and the weights and what you're looking for and all that, which is interesting now, because that's what we're doing at GA is we're working on systematic assessment protocols. Basically, how do we assess a product? And that's what we created at high times, what, 10, 12 years ago or something. Um, yeah, room full of stoners working till like six in the morning on that project uh, during the cup. So, yeah, big up the old old school high times crew is all I'm gonna say. Big up the old school high times crew because we had some good times back in the day. Um, you know, pretty much like outlining some of what we've all used here in the future. But uh, yeah, we did high times did emerald cup and now i'm blessed to have been an emerald cup judge for the last 11 years or so um i've got my emerald cup judging happening right now actually um you know that's what i'm going to be getting to tonight (laughs) it looks like i i feel i feel completely sorry for you there nicotine (laughs) <laughs> yeah, my life is really not that bad. I uh, can't really complain too much, for real. Yeah, uh, it's, uh, that would be a fun. Yeah, I've had my, I've there. had fucking so, horrible fucking times. You know, how like, much time do you get for that? This this industry is brutal. Like we've been through fucking everything. I've had two years of being fucked. You know, in this industry, but right now I feel pretty good. Sorry, what was your question? What was your question? My bad. 
Oh, no worries, brother. How long they given you to work through those samples? That's, um, that I was got the question. Like beginning of March. March. Uh, a couple weeks away. Yeah, I got a couple weeks. I'm already a good chunk through. I've already gotten through 12 of them. I got really high. I got really high. Like I had to take a three-hour hash nap after I got through those 12. For sure, before I went and DJed. Awesome. Yeah, man. That's awesome, man. So how many places how many places have you been with uh competitions with the hash? Oh man, all throughout the world has taken me all throughout the world, everywhere from Jamaica to Barcelona, Spain to um, Canada to all throughout the United States, you know, the East Coast, Massachusetts, Maine. It's taken me to, you know, California 50 times a year. It's taken me to Colorado 50 times a year. It's taken me to, um, man, all over the map, brother. I'm truly blessed to travel all over the world for this plant, for sure. Um, you know, a lot of it's like me on my own dime traveling for, you know, my own purposes and wanting to be, you know, involved. But, you know, these days, you're right, like a lot of people do uh, – book me to come DJ at an event or to come host an event or judge an event. Um, and in those cases, they're putting me out there, putting me on, on a plane, taking care of me. So it's a blessing. It's got to be an amazing journey for sure. Uh, we had Melia Jensen, uh, the hash queen. She spoke very highly of you for sure. Right on. That's what's up. Yeah, I love Mila. She is the boss. She's the queen. She's what she's who taught me so much of what I do today still about rinsing, about just a lot of it, all of it, you know, the the equipment, you know, what I needed to do. I picked her brain for hours, hours and on end when I first traveled out to Amsterdam in the early 2000s and just bugged her. And I hung out at her warehouse and I spent nights in her hotel. She had this amazing hotel with different themed hash rooms and stuff. And um, Yeah, I just really, uh, I'm blessed to have gotten to meet her and for her to be so humble and open to even talking to someone like me, you know, some random fucking American kid, you know? So uh, yeah, big up Mila and the whole family over there. They're always showing so much love and support. Um, yeah, I love her. She's, yeah, she's everything to me. Who's been some of your, uh, who's been some of your influences to, uh, for uh, extracts knowledge over the years? Oh man, um, she is a huge influence. Um, people like Robert Connell Clark, huge influence. Um, and then you know, there's a lot of my employees over the years um, that have been huge influences on me now. Um, so there's like uh, Sam, Samwise Ganji. Uh, he worked for me for uh, four or five years at least uh, as like the lead tech in my lab. And in doing that, he was following my SOPs perfectly, but then he was given opportunities to be creative and to find other methods and, you know, creating, you know, even when THCA came out, I use this as an example. When THCA came out, I saw a white powder at a, a, a cup. 
And we were not the first people to do it by any means, but I like brought that white powder and I kept asking Sam, I was like, yo, the guy said he made it solventlessly. Like, how do we do this in the lab? And really Sam's the one who developed the tech um, in the lab and he's developed a lot of the techs, him and Dirt for Terps, AKA Taylor, Taylor Dirt for Terps. Um, has, both of them have developed a lot of tech over the years. Uh, you know, a lot of the new cold curing methods they've helped me with. Um, some of the jam techs, you know, I've, I follow a lot of the hash makers that I originally taught, you know, Ken wall is a perfect example. He was one of my first clients ever that I, you know, that I taught in a room with uh, jibs. And now I'm watching some of his videos on how he folds his parchment paper for these new presses and some of the presses that he's using. Um, you know, so I learned a lot from a lot of different people out there. Um, and I'm watching the industry, you know, like a hawk because I'm constantly wanting to learn and wanting to teach new methodology. I'm blessed to have an R and D lab. I'm blessed to have licensed labs that I work out of where I'm able to push those boundaries and continue learning, you know, new technology and spreading that knowledge. What an amazing, humble answer, brother. That's, that's fucking hands up to you for uh giving props where props are due man that's i i, I took completely respect you for that man that's awesome <laughs> of course always, always always so uh so you want to give us a little insight into uh your tech there uh some of your methods that you're uh you're using now Oh man, I'm doing all kinds of things, you know, like I always say the first tech that I always really want to focus on is cultivars. Like you, everything starts to grow. So, and you can create amazing products, whether you have a hydroponics grow, whether you have a soil grow, whether you're growing in cocoa, you know, you can make amazing products no matter how you're growing. Um, but one of the first things that I recommend focusing on if you're trying to produce solventless products is be specific with what cultivars, specific phenotypes that you are choosing to grow. Um, that's where it first starts. You know, especially if you're first learning, go grab something like a Gorilla Glue number four. It's going to be pretty easy to grow and it's going to yield well. It's going to yield viably. Um, there's not a lot of strains out there, especially that people love in flower form that are the most viable in hash form. There are some, you know, and I've written about quite a few of them over the years. Uh, one of my favorites is sour diesel. It does great in, uh, in hash form, sour diesel and chems do really well in, uh, in solventless form. Um, think strains like the white, big up Chrome, the white does really well in solventless form. And a lot of those white crosses have won us cups over the years. Um, Gorilla glue number four, as I mentioned, does really well. It's got that chem in its background that helps it. Um, but it's even a bigger producer than chem or sour diesel was. Um, in most cases, there's always variables. What else is on the list, uh, that I really like to recommend as far as cultivars to grow, especially in the beginning GMO is like a new, uh, a new heavy hitter. It does serious numbers. You want to take it a little bit longer. It's got a lower, longer flowering period. Uh, but it does serious numbers all throughout, um, GMO cross crosses uh even wedding cake has been hitting some numbers depending on the phenos that you're working with but uh you know look for some wedding cakes that do numbers and uh yeah i don't know 
every day there's new strains. I'm looking for those strains that do numbers, but also have terpene profiles that I really enjoy, you know, whether it be a lemon or whether it be a gelato or whether it be uh, gas, you know, those are kind of the three that I, or lime, lime and lemon, citrus in general, but not like a super lemon haze or not like a um, lemon cleaner type of thing. Jack Herrera. I don't like any of that stuff. I want like piercing lemon rind terps, like lemon tree or lemon G or sweet lemon tea. <laughs> yeah. So fresh froze or dry material? Oh, I prefer whole plant fresh frozen. Retention of terpenes. I, I, you know, I've heard it so lately and back and forth. I'm, I'm a fresh froze guy myself. I like to wet trim. I like to, you know, put my material mm. up and uh, just for me, it's always made a greasier hash, a nice, oil, more oily hash. But uh, there's a lot of people lately that's been, yeah, dry, dry, dry. I'm like, I can't. Yeah. I, it's, it's a little bit more work, but I prefer fresh froze myself. Yeah, people go back and forth all day long with me, even with how they're cultivating, how they're harvesting. But I prefer, prefer whole plant fresh frozen. I want it untouched. I get to see the best representation and expression of the plant that way. Uh, so any suggestions on uh, working on some of these uh, uh, greasier strains? Every so often you get one in that first pull, it's like, oh man, the bag's almost shot. <laughs> you oh almost man, have yeah. To stop the first the suggestion bag. is is you you probably don't have a cold enough environment. I really, if you have a greasy strain, I suggest bringing temperatures below forty four degrees Fahrenheit. Cold room, cold, cold. So first and foremost, and then, and then get all your equipment cold. So if you're going to go seeding after that, or whatever you're going to do, if you have a freeze dryer, even if you're pulling from your freeze dryer, make sure that you've dropped temperatures down or you're in a really cold room um, as well when you're pulling from the freeze dryer, because you don't want it to go from your freeze dryer into a hot environment. Uh, what? How about uh, if you're working a little bit of bud material, any suggestions for working bud material as far as like breaking it up prior, pre-wash? If it's dry bud? Or time to let it soak? Dry bud? Um, I really don't recommend utilizing dry bud. Um, I think that you've decrease the amount of surface area that's going to help create viability when you're running solventless. So um, I think dried buds are better used elsewhere, um, you know, as dried buds or, you know, taking them another route. But when you're talking about solventless, it's just really hard to get into the depths of those dry buds. Once they're dry, the, they tend to be a lot denser and the surface area decreases. So to get inside that dense bud, you got to beat it up too much. Um, you know, that's a hard one for me because I just really don't recommend washing dry bud. You'll find a few outliers if you have some airier I really bud. I expect that answer either. 
to be honest yeah. with you. If you find airier bud, uh, you know, you might be able to do it and make it viable, but I just don't think it's the most viable solution to use your dry bud for washing. Dried trim, sure. Uh, dried larf, like real smalls, fine. But dried colas, no. So when you're working with, uh, when you're doing your wash, is it always the set? a set uh, bag selection or does it change? Uh, no, no, it changes. Per it changes do you do per strain, wash per wash. Go, okay. Yep. Pretty much every time I'll throw in a couple extra bags in there and then I'll be like, oh, okay, where are those trichomes falling? If they're tr falling way, you know, if they're bigger heads and they're falling a lot, the upper ranges, I'm going to put more bags in those upper ranges. I'm going to separate that stuff even, even further up in the upper ranges. Like if I run, you know, 120 or one, 185, 120 down to whatever. I, and I find a ton in that 120, I'm going to throw in a 160 in there as well. Um, you know, just clean it up even further. Uh, but depending, you know, like if that one, it's really dependent on what I see in those first bags, you know, depending on the color and the consistency, I'll add or subtract bags accordingly. And then depending on what I want to do, whether I want to make full spectrum rosin, whether I want to make micron specific full melt, um, you know, that would be, that would change up the bags. Joe Y in chat would like to know uh, what creates a more blonde hash in your opinion? Cultivar first and foremost, you know, those strains that, you know, just don't amber are kind of the ones you're going to look for. Um, pulling your plants right before they amber is going to change the color. Also pulling out all the moisture is a huge variable as well. Um, so if you can pull out hundred percent of the moisture from the product via something like a freeze dryer, you're going to have lighter colored product. What happens to a lot of product is people are drying in a hot environment or a humid environment and moisture is being sucked into that hash. That's actually oxidizing the hash and creating a darker hash. That can happen as well. There's a lot of variables to it. So does color make a big difference to you? Knowing what you no. know about hash and no. you know, oxidation, does it make a difference to you? It's not a huge factor in what I want to smoke personally. Um, it definitely has a sales factor. Uh, the lighter the hash, you know, the more it's selling on shelves right now. Uh, but as far as our assessment of the product, color is not one that we grade on a scale. We note color and we talk about color. I'm referencing a lot of what we talk about in Gangier and the program, uh, but we uh, we don't uh, we don't grade color. If something's green, I grade it. If it's black or gray, uh, I grade it. But uh, other than know. that, other than the the green and the black or gray, uh, color's not graded. Because color, I guess, in the very beginning, green would be a a DQ basically um, in a lot of our concentrate assessments these days. So uh, how important is the dry in your opinion? You know, uh, can you share some good dry techniques with us? 
Drawing is huge. Um, if you don't have a freeze dryer, and even if you do have a freeze dryer, I always recommend always under 65 degrees um, for those heads, uh, specifically when they come out of the freeze dryer or if you're planning on sieving it. Uh, but the lower, the better, as long as it's not freezing. And uh, yeah, cool to dark place. If you're sieving or microplaning, always really, really cool, dark place, low humidity. Uh, RH below 40% is what I like to dry in, relative humidity below 40%. And uh, temperatures always below 65, but I prefer around like 44 to, to 55. Um, just depending on what I'm doing, what product I'm doing. How much would you say that the freeze dryer has changed the game? Me, myself, you know, when I buy it, it looks very pretty. It smells good, but it doesn't seem to carry the, the buzz that a, just a traditional hash has, in my huh. opinion. So I'm just kind of curious really to know your thoughts on the. Yeah, yeah, the freeze dryer really changed the game for us because it was a fi it was finally an opportunity for me to put into my SOP, my standard operating procedure, what uh, what we do to mitigate the chance for mold and microbial. Um, if we've removed 100% of the moist or 100% of the plant material via sieving, uh, water sieving, through our bags and then we've removed 100% of the moisture via a freeze dryer, we don't have near the chance of creating mold and microbial um, issues in the end product because, uh, sorry, I'm getting blasted, because, uh, uh, because there's no plant material and there's no moisture. There's no moisture because of the freeze dryer. So it's really a step in our process to help mitigate the chance for mold microbial, which is helping a lot of the patients, helping a lot of the consumers. Um, you know, and now in our regulated industry, if you had any mold microbial counts, the product would fail and you wouldn't be able to put it out in the market. Not that we would ever want to, but freeze dryer has really, really helped uh, decrease mold microbial issues. And I want to give you some props, man, for uh, answering all these questions. At this point, you've probably answered so many of these questions that it's got to be like, oh, oh, okay, we're going down. Oh, good. This I'm road. just tired. I can just tell my eyes are getting tired. Yeah. Uh, Richard Forbes in chat wanted to know uh, what's the best method to dry without a freeze dryer. Um, I prefer at this point in my life, microplaning. If you don't have a freeze dryer, big up Matt Rise, Ice Wax Kid, uh, Ice Wax Family for the uh, microplaning tech because that creates a little bit more surface area than sieving. But still, you can really only microplane, um, you know, if you have that cold, dry environment. So, uh, do you press? How do you feel about pressing your hash now and drazen these days? And what press? I are love you it. Using? I love it. Um, pressing rosin has given us an opportunity uh, to really, you know, separate grades even further, to refine water hash even further. Um, it's given people that want to solve this option easier ways to, um, you know, educate about it. 
you know, the bud tenders don't have to say, well, this micron might bubble, this micron bubbles a lot, this one costs this much and this, and a lot of consumers were really confused on how people were selling the water hash or bubble hash out on the market by the micron, because not always a 70 micron was going to be the meltiest. Sometimes the 120 micron was meltier. You know, sometimes even that 38 micron was meltier for that batch. So it's very subjective and very hard to sell at that point. Um, once rosin came on board, people were able to uh, turn, you know, some of those products that didn't melt and some of the products that melted like crazy you know, in both ways into rosin, lower grade rosin into higher grade rosin, but it was easier to uh, relate to the consumer what this product was. It was still very naturally produced. We're not using any chemical solvents. But the consumer doesn't have to look at 15 of the same strain and be like, oh, I don't know which one of those microns I should pick this time, you know? Uh, so I think rosin really helped with that aspect. Um, and uh, shelf stability, rosin is huge for that, you know, especially with the new cold cure technologies. We're able to create a product that I can have in my pocket or have in a hot car or traveling with me, you know, on the road and in my backpack or whatever it may be. And it's not going to change consistency whatsoever. And that's really, really nice that's happened just in the last couple of years here is the stability of rosin. Um, the change from fresh pressed rosin into cured rosin, if you will. And so uh, that stability is really, really key for rosin. So as somebody makes a lot of uh, bubble ash, I can't help but wonder, uh, what, what do you do with all that water? Uh, do you guys use it for anything? Uh, I know I use I like to use it for my plants. I, I actually feed that stuff to my plants, let it warm right up on, cut it in half. And, uh, yeah, yeah, but yeah. I've always wondered, and I've talked to a few other, <coughs> excuse me, hash makers. And uh, is it possible that you could, uh, you know, reclaim? Because you, we both know when we make bubble, there we there's loss to the water. It's so turpy, so smelly. Is, you know, is there a way that we can, you know, reclaim that and add it back into our bubble? Uh, one uh, gentleman I spoke with kind of suggested that we may even be able to uh, maybe freeze dry some of that and uh, reintroduce it back into the bubble, you know, and uh, maybe in a, in a like a mat tech, you know, once you know, you're heating it up, maybe put that dry turps back in and flip it and uh, make it a full medicine again. Any thoughts on that? Is it, would it be possible? Would it be too much work? I don't know. You know, I, I've played around a little bit. I've created hydrosols, not known how to re remove the terpenes from the water after they bound like that because they bind uh, to the water. And so I've gotten to steps, but uh, it just hasn't been something I've personally had the time to play with or really the knowledge. So um you know, I'm, I'm open. I'm always open to it. I'm not going to ever say anything is not possible because we didn't think that creating THCA, 99.9% .9 THCA mechanically without the use of chemical solvents was possible five years ago, six years ago. So, um, yeah, some really cool things have happened in this industry via people sharing knowledge. So I'm never going to put anything down, but I have not personally played with it. Um, yeah. So with recreational uh, coming very soon, hopefully across the country, are you going to be able to uh, 
jump on that market? Are we going to be? Yeah, I mean, we're operational here in Michigan. Yeah, we're operational right now in California. Um, I was operational in the recreational market in Colorado for eight, you know, or in the market in Colorado for eight and a half, nine, ten years, ten years, eleven years. Fuck, I don't even know. For a long time, right this very second, we're not operational in Colorado, but we're working on coming back every day. Um, I'm building a huge facility in Missouri as we speak, um, over 10,000 square feet. I also am going to be distributing essential extract CBD nationwide, um, worldwide, actually, sorry, <laughs> worldwide. And uh, Michigan is definitely going to be on the map. You know, um, I'm trying to bring the essential extracts brand everywhere that will uh, allow it and that uh, wants quality and uh you know, com- communication and education-driven products. Well, man, I uh, where do you see uh, where do you see yourself going in twenty-one? Do you have any plans for this year? Or is it too still too shaky to really uh, uh, put anything in stone? What's that? Twenty twenty-one. Yeah. Sorry, I'm getting like all these notifications on my phone. I don't know why people are hitting me up this late, but um, I got a lot going on, man. The CBD launch, uh, the Essential Extract Missouri launch. Uh, I'm like really getting into my DJing. So definitely follow me on Twitch Sundays. I'll be getting down and playing live music. Um, so uh, yeah, my creative energy is flowing. I'm motivated right now. So music and ganja, you know, is life. That's what 2021 is about, is just doing what I love to do. Pretty awesome, man. Pretty awesome. You know, it's one of these things that uh, this plant has blessed us, a lot of us, to be able to take that, you know, take the reins of our life back, if you will, and be able to enjoy life a little bit more. It's, it's a blessing. This plant is a blessing for a lot of us, for sure. I'm 100 Right on, boss. Well, I'm getting been, tired. I'm getting tired, man. <laughs> I can um, see it. I was long, just. It's been a long travel day. No worries, man. I, you know, I, I can't thank you enough uh, for taking the time. I have a ton of respect for you, so I can't thank you enough for taking the time to uh, come hang out with me and the ninety-two of us, ninety-three of us still in chat right now. Uh, uh, you know pretty pretty amazing for you to come hang out on a friday night even after forgetting the you know the miscommunication a lot of people i've done this this 327 episodes i've had this happen before most times when people realize you know the mistake they're all like yeah fuck it man let's just you know reschedule but not you you were like oh yeah let's do this man i might be yeah i might be in my hoodie and like my comfy clothes but i'm down bro yeah I, I love to talk about this. So I appreciate you having me on the show. Much love to all the people in the chat, all the listeners. Give thanks. Uh, I know they've got a lot of respect and love for you, sir. That's for sure. And it wouldn't be right. To just I had two things before we go that I offered to every guest and you're no different. And, you know, you are hash legend in my opinion. So I can only hope that you'll take me up on this first part. Uh, Basically, the show does go every night from 11.30 to 4.20. When shows do go short, which eh, about 90% of the time, uh, 
I, they shut down. I'll shut down the show, and then I restart up what I call the wormhole, which is pretty much a panel show, like a lot of both people do. But they all—it's all past guests. Uh, so the Zoom numbers are always the same. So if you happen to stumble upon the channel and we're doing a hash episode, or you just want to make a bunch of people stay, come on and smoke a joint, <laughs> say hello. Please do so, my friend. That uh, number, that Zoom number never changes, and it would be epic if you did take us up on it. So, well, yeah, open well. invitation there, good sir. Uh, well. Whenever you do see that. Secondly, the last thing I'd like to get from you is uh, just that corny old radio sound belt. Excuse me, cat mouth sound bite, if you will. Basically, in my words, this is what I'm looking for is, hey, this is Eagle Gardens, and I'm on fucking talking shit with Eagle, episode 327. You can do whatever you want with it before or after with it, but basically, this would be the commercial for your episode, so whenever you're ready, my friend. Wait, so, so, this is, this, wait, so, wait, wait, you wanted me to say this is Eagle Gardens, the fucking something? No, 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 no. Okay. No, I want right. you to be. I want you to say more like, "This is nicotine essential extracts," and I'm on fucking talking shit with Eagle talking episode three twenty seven. Three twenty seven. All right, cool. I got you. Yo, what's good? This is nicotine essential extracts worldwide. Give thanks for having me on the fucking talking shit with Eagle. <laughs> Was that it? Sorry, sorry. <laughs> I'm fucking lit. Give me one more. Give me one more take. What what is it? Fucking talking, talking, fucking shit. Fucking, fucking talking shit with Eagle. Fucking talking shit with Eagle. All right, I think I got it right. Fucking talking shit with Eagle. Episode three twenty seven. Okay. All right, take two. What's good? This is Nicotee. <laughs> take three. What's good? This is Nicotee of Essential Extracts. I'm lit as fuck. I'm over here with Talking Eagle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh no, bro. Oh, bro. You're awesome, uh, brother. One more time. <laughs> Yo, my name is Nick T with these central extracts. I'm over here talking shit with fucking Eagle. <laughs> and uh, we're staying high. Episode 327. Perfect. I know, bro. I'll take that. <laughs> that was perfect, man. That was that was good, my friend. Thank you. Right on, I bro. Did, Thank you from the bottom of my heart, man, for taking time to do this, man. I can't repay you for this time, and I greatly appreciate it. You have a great night, my friend. Right on, brother. Much love. Take it easy. That does uh, end this episode 327. You guys hopefully will join me in the wormhole here in a few minutes. Of course, we have had Nicotee with us, one amazing hash extract artist. Amazing guy, DJ. <laughs> what a great night. Thank you, Nick and T. So that does wrap up this episode 327. Hopefully you guys will take time and come hang out in the wormhole here in a bit. Hopefully so. What time is it? Holy cow, 1245. Probably fire up the wormhole in a little while. Give me about, I don't know, 45 minutes or so. Unless somebody's wanting to jump in right away, give me a, a DM if that's the case. 
If not, I'll probably see you guys probably about 1.30. Uh, you guys, thanks again for tuning in. You guys have a great night. Please remember, do something nice for somebody. Random acts of kindness to save lives. Living, breathing example of that.